This podcast is brought to you by Grand Parkway Baptist Church, helping people to know, enjoy, and glorify God. For more information about Grand Parkway, visit grandparkway.org. Dear Lord, (laughs) where else am I going to build my life, Lord? For you have the words of life. Your love is the only firm foundation. Lord, there's people in this room that are tired, um, that are hurt, that are broken. And Holy Spirit, I pray that we can just sit and enjoy the fact that you're none of those things, that nothing's ever dawned on you, that you've never been worried that you're, you're, you're looking at us right now and you have us. Exactly. Holy Spirit, I pray that right now you can, you can remind us, continue that your steadfast love endures forever. It's going to outrun all the difficulty that we're running into today. Your kingship will outrun everything wrong with the world. Lord, I pray that we get to just enjoy that in these next 30 minutes. Make your word powerful and fill this room with with relief and excitement at the same time. Only you can do that. It's in your beautiful name I pray. Amen. Be seated. Good morning. How are we good? Awesome. If you have your Bibles, we didn't grab those. Go to Psalm 136. Psalm 136. If you don't have a Bible, you can just relax or get your device. Or the words are going to appear here on a screen. But I would love for all of us to be looking at God's Word during this time here together. My name is Leo Almeida. I'm one of the teaching pastors here at Grand Parkway. Um, we've had a lot of visitors since the last time I've, 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 I've preached. So um, if, if I've never met you, I would love to meet you after this service. So um, after this service, myself and the other pastors will be up here in the front. We'd love to pray with you, love to process anything you've heard. And we've also just love to meet you. So welcome, welcome here. So um, now uh, in, in 2005, um, there was a lady who lived in Colorado, and her name was Catherine Kathy. And I pray to God she went by Kathy Kathy. But she was a lady in Colorado. She was a military wife, and in August 2005, she got the news that every military wife uh, dreads getting. She got the news that her husband, Second Lieutenant James Kathy, was killed over in Iraq. He was a Marine, and he was involved in an explosion that took his life and several of the lives around him. And as you can imagine... For, for, for Catherine, that was absolutely devastating news. She was devastated. Not only did she love her husband, but on top of that, she just found out that she had her, his son on the way. Now, there was a service in Colorado to commemorate the life, his life and life of others. And the night before the burial service, James, the night before James Cathy was to be buried, um, Catherine refused to leave his side. She wanted to sleep one last night next to him. So she set up a ta- or, a, or a bed right, right, uh, right next to his casket, and she even brought a computer filled with a playlist of songs that reminded her of times with her husband. Now, just me telling you that 
is powerful. Like if you just picture that in your mind, that is a powerful picture. Now, ironically, we actually have a picture of this scene, okay? And there's a detail in the picture that takes it from powerful to absolutely profound. There's a detail here in this picture that takes it from powerful to a Pulitzer Prize winner picture. I want you just to nod whenever you see the details. Go ahead and pull up the picture, okay? Go ahead and pull up that picture, and there it is. So this was taken in the middle of the night, and there she is with her computer, sleeping next to her husband. Now, this picture is bursting with the beauty of loyalty. As you can see, this is a woman who took her wedding vows very seriously. She took her vows very, very, she's loyal to her man. And the, the James Cathy was loyal to his country, even unto death. And, and the gentleman next to him stayed up all night guarding the body. Never met him. Never met James Cathy who died, but he was loyal to the uniform. Now, I think this picture, I show you this picture, I think it slides as well into our word today. We're doing a series called Words to Live By. Okay, and the words, some of the words this far have been forgiveness and rhythm and contentment and prayer. And my word this morning is the word chesed. So Neil got forgiveness, rhythm, contentment, and prayer, and I got chesed. So what is it? Okay, I get the only, I'm the only non-English word. What is it? So first off, um, if you want to say it correctly, you can't say it like a Texan. Okay, it's not hesed. Okay, um, so pretend like you don't have rodeo tickets and pretend like there's a popcorn kernel stuck at the back of your throat. Okay, it's, it's hesed. Say it with me. Hesed. There you go, my theologians. Simply put, hesed is love with loyalty at the core. It's love with loyalty at the core. It combines two ideas, love and commitment. It's not a love that's primarily fueled by feeling. It sets its will to love regardless of feeling. So some of my American friends who've been around my family gatherings kind of raise their eyebrows when they see how me and my family greet one another. Okay, for, my, for, for Angolans, it's customary for the double cheek kiss. Okay, so it's just, I, I kiss, sometimes my, my dad or my mom, I kiss them, my cousins, I kiss them twice on, on each cheek or once on each cheek. I can imagine for an American landing in Angola for the first time, it was never, it was never seen that or known that, being very confused because it's literally everywhere. They taught us this as children. Okay, we do it with strangers, neighbors, cousins, coworkers. It's everywhere. Now, it's not life or death. Okay, no one's going to punch you for not kissing them. It's a small thing. But since it's everywhere, it's important in understanding how we relate to one another as Angolans. Small thing, but it's everywhere. So it's important when it comes to understanding how Angolans relate to one another. Furthermore, another example, in that same way, um, I can imagine someone from the north, okay, who's... Never, who doesn't care about football at all, doesn't like country, never been to Texas, blindly enrolling in Texas A&M University and hearing that for the first time. 
or hearing howdy on campus for the first time. Again, no one's going to expel you or dock your grade for not knowing or doing that, but it's pretty important to understanding how those people relate to one another. What do I mean, those people? But in that same way, chesed is a small word. There's no book of the Bible called chesed. You've probably never seen a Christian t-shirt that has the word chesed on it. There's probably not many Christian tattoos that has the word chesed on it. But it's everywhere. Your Bible is filled with the brim with this word. 250 times it's mentioned in just in your Old Testament alone. And since it's everywhere, it's vital for understanding the way that God relates to his people. It's a word that's tricky to translate. Some of your Bibles say loving kindness. Some of your Bibles say loyal love. Some of your Bibles say steadfast love. Okay, some of your Bibles, it's been translated as mercy or, or, or kindness or goodness or faithfulness or loyalty. But it's refer, the word chesed is referring to the, the stubborn grip that God has on his people. God's chesed is the sure love that he, which he will not let his people go. He will not let his people go. So we're going to do two things this morning. We're going to zoom in on the grip of God. And then we're going to zoom out and we're going to ask the question, what type of heart is connected to that type of grip? Do you follow me? So we're going to look at the grip of God and we're going to zoom out and look at the heart of God, the heart behind the hand. So first off, the grip of God, we're going to look at Psalm 136. This is a special psalm. Okay, um, as you're looking at it right now, just with your eyes at your own Bible, you can tell that it has a lot of repetition. The word chesed is repeated here 26 times. It's written for call and response. So uh, Levites or priests would be in a scene like this one in the temple courtyards, and they would say a truth about God, and the people would respond um, for his steadfast love endures for. Ever. We're going to do so here in verses uh, 1 through 9. I'm going to read this here too. He says this, give, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who by understanding made the heavens. For a steadfast love endures forever. To him who spread out the earth above the waters, for a steadfast love endures forever. To him who made the great lights, for a steadfast love endures forever. The sun to rule over the day, for a steadfast love endures forever. The moon and the stars to rule over the night, for a steadfast love endures forever. Forever. Now, whenever we zoom in on the grip of God, the first thing, just by looking at this, the first thing you can tell by the grip of God is that, A, it is praiseworthy. Okay, God's grip is praiseworthy. So whenever you think of God creating the world, people typically associate that with God's power, God's creativity, God's majesty, God's wisdom. But this writer right here connects it with God's chesed, his steadfast love. And what he's saying here in verses one through nine is that this good God reigns supreme. And out of his steadfast love, he created everything you can and can't see. And the whole thing is telling us God's people should look at, it, at, at that creation and be reminded that they are in the grip of a good God. God's people should look at his creation and be reminded that they are in the grip of a good God and then rejoice that they are in the grip of a good God. 
God's steadfast love is evidenced all around us in the things that he's made. In this passage, he's listing some things, the moon, the sun, the stars, the earth, the sky, the water. Romans chapter 1, later on, Paul talks about how you can see, uh, the, the, the invisible, you can see the invisible attributes of God through the visible things that which, he's, which he's made. And this author saying, hey, you can see the steadfast love of God through the things that he has made. And that is a reason for praise. Friends, God has created and populated the world in such a way that we should think of his steadfast love when we look around in nature. And we should praise him for it. We praise because his hesed is praiseworthy. What this passage is saying is that, friends, you and I have all the ammunition we need to have a robust praise life. We have all the ammunition we need to have a robust praise life. How is your praise life these days? Okay, oftentimes pastors can, can dial in on a prayer life. How has your praise life been these days? Now, I'm sure um, most of us, if not all of us at this point, have heard of what's happening over in Kentucky, okay, Asbury University. Um, there is a, uh, for those who don't know, there's a chapel service. Um, it's a school, there's a chapel service, and um, it's supposed to go by, by an hour and a half, two hours, and it's going on day 11 as we speak. They're still singing, they're still worshiping. And now there's all sorts of think pieces being written as we speak as well. Some people were talking about this as, this is just a Gen Z emotionalism hoax. There's also people talking about this, saying, hey, this is a revival because now this is spreading. No matter where you land on this, I just saw CNN is picking it up. No matter where you land on this, okay, I just want to confess to you that as I looked at the picture and watched the videos, there began to be a holy jealousy of what I saw. I want to praise God in and out of this building in such a way that people can look at my life and say, Leo is happy to be held by the living God. I want that. I want such a robust praise like that people say, he is, he's living differently. When I am in my car, oftentimes, I'm a great music picker, okay? Best playlists, okay? And people can sometimes see me dancing at, at, at what I am listening to. They can't hear the music, but they can see me dancing. I want to live like that. I want to live so happy in the Lord and to have such a robust praise. Like people say, he is happy in the Lord. Who is this God? Who is this God? But this passage is telling us that God's chesed is visible in creation and we have the ammunition we need for a robust praise life. So friends, you are called, you and I, you and I are called to look around and join David when he says this, because of your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. What have you been treating like it's better than life? Because David says, your chesed is, your loyal love to me is better than life. Therefore, I will praise you. So this grip of God is praiseworthy. Furthermore, this grip of God is contraconditional. Okay, contraconditional. Okay, this is a made-up word by some theologians, but they're basically saying that God's love is better than unconditional. God doesn't just love us without conditions, but he stubbornly loves, he stubbornly holds on despite our conditions. So 
So contrary to our nature, contrary to our behavior, contrary to who we are, he still loves us. And you see this in, uh, you see this if you look at verses 10 through 22. It says this, To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, for his steadfast love endures forever, and brought Israel out from among them, for his steadfast love endures forever, with a strong hand and an outstretched arm, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea in two, for his steadfast love endures forever, and made Israel pass through the midst of it, for his steadfast love endures forever, but overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who led his people through the wilderness, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who struck down great kings, for his steadfast love endures forever. And killed mighty kings, for his steadfast love endures forever. Sihon, the king, uh, king of Amorites, for his steadfast love endures forever. And Og, king of Bashan, for his steadfast love endures forever. And gave their land as a heritage for his steadfast love endures forever. A heritage to Israel, his servant, for his steadfast love endures forever. Look at all the things that God did in this passage. Okay? First, he, he struck Egypt. It cannot be overstated. Back then, okay, Egypt was number one in the world. International powerhouse. And God says right here in verse 12, with a strong hand and an outstretched arm. Okay, whenever the Bible uses right arm or right hand, this is talking about him being a warrior. Yes, he made the heavens with the works of his fingers, but with an outstretched arm, he struck the firstborn of Egypt. So he struck Egypt. And then it says that he divided the Red Sea in two. He, picture that. Okay, the words that are being used there for the word divided, this is hearkening back to Genesis 15 when, when God makes a covenant with Abram. With Abraham, what happens in Genesis 15 is that um, they tear up or they, they uh, split animals in, in half. That's how they did covenants back then. They split animals in half and you walk in between them saying, this should happen to me if I don't keep the terms of our covenant. And God did that with Abram, except God actually walked through for Abram as well. And these are the same verbiage that's used. God divided the Red Sea in two. He's using covenant language right here, saying and this, this should let us know that when God split the Red Sea, he was fighting for them because he was committed to them. He overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea. He led his people through the wilderness. He struck down great kings. He gave their land as a heritage. In summary, God gave guidance, water, food, healing, victory, leadership, structure, land, and all sorts of provision. And that was contraconditional because Israel didn't deserve any of it. Israel deserved none of it. If you have never read the Old Testament, think of it as railroad tracks. On one rail, you have God providing, God's goodness, God being a good God. Okay, God providing guidance, water, food, healing, victory, leadership, structure, all of that on one rail. And on the other rail, you have Israel. Instead of being thankful, consistently complaining. Instead of trusting God, consistently testing God. Not honoring the leadership he's put in place. And even at one point, or at several points, we're trying to replace God himself. You should ask yourself, what connects this rail, these rails? Okay, it's chesed. 
It's the steadfast love of God. Israel's persistent waywardness couldn't destroy his steadfast love. Though Israel be faithless, God be faithful. Though Israel be faithless, God remains faithful still. This is a part of Israel history. Um, there's a part of history um, in Israel where Israel feels um, completely abandoned by God. This is in Isaiah 49. It says this. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. I wanted to pause right there. I thought about that verse this morning. I wonder how many people are right here. You're in this room and you're even praising, but you're right here. My Lord has forgotten me. Maybe it's just the hospital visits are piling up. Or maybe it's your obedience. You've been obedient. You've been quietly obeying and you're not seeing any fruits of that. Or maybe you just got into college, you're about to go to college, and you were the cool kid or the smart kid or the athletic kid um, here in high school. Now you're about to join 20,000 people. You're about to be a face in the crowd. My God has forgotten me. Maybe it's a sin habit, maybe pain. My God has forgotten me. Here's the Lord's response. Verse 15 says this. Can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will, I will not forget you. What's God saying? There's a better chance of a new mom forgetting her child than me forgetting you. New parents have a ferocious love for their child. My brother, um, my nephew was born in uh, September 11th, 2014. Um, and I remember my brother had him telling me, I, I'm the youngest of three, it's my oldest brother. I remember he had, uh, he told me and my other brother, he said, I, 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 I can officially kill a man. What he meant by that was, as he's holding this precious child, he's saying, if anything or anyone tries to cause harm, I know I could do it. Now I know I could do it. And I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> Okay, okay. <laughs> but that's on-brand behavior. I've watched him beat people up before. I get it. That, that's not super far from who he is. I get it. Um, furthermore, I remember him telling us once, he, he wakes up at 4.30 in the morning and works out every morning, like me. I don't do that. But uh, he, every morning he works out, and um, he says, like, sometimes when I'm at my very last set, I just think of my new son, and I can just go five or six more. Again, ridiculous, but on-brand behavior. That's him. But I remember one time we were watching a show on, on Netflix. This is my, 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 my brother's, um, uh, his wife, and, and my we were all watching a show on TV. And I remember looking to my right. I still remember the scene. Looking to my right, and my brother was sitting on this brown couch looking at his child. I remember him going, you're my world. You know that? You're my world. You know that? That's new. I was like, record this for later. That, that's new. Friends, there's a ferocious 
love that new parents have for their children. And what this passage is saying is that the Lord's affection and devotion for his people is greater than the devotion of a woman who has, her, uh, who has for her nursing child. Friends, new babies don't provide much except complications, and yet there is unceasing devotion to them. So at the, though Israel be faithless, yet God remains faithful still. That's his steadfast love. It is contra-conditional. It is contrary to their condition. God does not, he's not sticking by Israel's side because Israel is really cute. It's because of who he is. And Barry Cooper captures this as a theologian. He says this, um, having entered a covenant relationship with his people, God binds himself to act toward them with hesed. And he is utterly faithful to his own self-commitment. To put it another way, our hope that God will love us to the uttermost and forever is not founded on our ability to keep his commands, but rather it's founded on God's ability to keep being God. He has bound himself to his people. I will show them chesed love. And the terms of that bond is not how well you've done your quiet time. The terms of that bond is I am God. And I will continue being God. So I will hold this up because I am God. His steadfast love is contrary to what we deserve. And friends, that is really good news. That's really good news. You're receiving love and goodness from God contrary to what you deserve is going to be an ongoing reality in your life. It doesn't just stop at the cross. Okay, that's gonna be an ongoing reality for the rest of your life. 2 Timothy 2.13, if we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. God's chesed is contra-conditional in nature. Wouldn't because Israel was cute. Well, what about us? We've been talking a lot about the grip of God, but the Bible tells us we are called to be imitators of our Father. I'm here to tell you that grip that holds you should also be molding you. This chesed love is not just meant to be experienced, but it's also meant to be extended. That love that holds you should also mold you. So friends, I want to ask you, husbands, is this the way you are faithfully loving and pursuing your wives? Wives, is this the way that you are pursuing and loving your husbands? Parents, is this the way that you are loving your children, even adult children? I have a close friend, one of my closest friends in the world right now is over the last couple of years is dealing with the fact that he is now rejected by his dad because he, does not, he did not make professional basketball. He's almost my age. Okay, I'm 20, how old am I? 93, 29. Yes, thank you, Teresa. <laughs> I forgot my password to a couple of things. You got me? <laughs> yes, I'm 29 and he's 28. Um, and he's reeling from that because his dad is now withheld from him. Teenagers, is this the way that you love your parents? Is this the way that you love your friends? The love that holds you ought to mold you as well. Let's get convicted together. Okay, this is a quote from Paul Miller. He wrote a book about this called The Loving Life. He says this, Sometimes chesed is translated steadfast love. 
It combines commitment with sacrifice. Hesed is a one-way love. Here it comes. Love without an exit strategy. There's no plan Bs. When you love with chesed love, you bind yourself to the object of your love, no matter what the response is. Here it comes. So if the object of your love snaps at you, you love that person. If you've had an argument with your spouse in which you were slighted or not heard, you refuse to retaliate through silence or withholding affection. Your response to the other person is entirely independent of how that person has treated you. Chesed is a stubborn love. Friends, does this describe any of the relationships that you're currently in? You see this at eye level with Ruth. Her widowed mother, or her withered mother-in-law, has nothing to really offer her. And she tells you that, hey, listen, I've been here in Moab. I'm about to go back home to Israel. Thank you for showing so much steadfast love to my son. But now my son is dead. And now my husband is dead as well. Thank you for everything. I'm going back home. May the Lord show chesed to you as you go back to Moab, or as you stay here in Moab and go to your family. May you find peace in the house of your husband. So thank you for everything. Go on your way. I have nothing to offer you. Even if I were to have a child tonight, would you wait 20 years till he's a marriable age? Listen, it's, it's over with me. I'm going to go back home. I'm bitter about this. You go back. Go, 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 go live in Moab. And look at Ruth's response. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or return from following you. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. There I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said, no more. So Naomi wishes her well and sends her off. Ruth's response was say, hey, you have nothing to offer me, but she basically responds with wedding vows to her. That's the contraconditional love at the core of chesed, at the core of the grip of God. You also see this at eye level with Hosea. He's called by God to marry a woman uh, uh, that's an adulterous woman. After having children with this woman, she goes back to her old life of whoredom. And this is what the Bible says in Hosea chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. It says this. Then the Lord said to me, go again. Love a woman who is loved by another, by another man and is an adulteress, even as the Lord loves the children of Israel. Though they turn to other gods and love cake, cakes of raisins. So I bought her 15 shekels of silver and an omer and a... Something of barley. <laughs> I was going to try to say it really fast and confidently. So I'm like, wow, he goes to seminary, but I, I have no clue to start here. Um, but so, so Gomer, his wife, goes away from him and she's loving uh, another man. And Hosea has to go find her and pay for something that's already his. He has to go buy her back. 
That's the contraconditional love of chesed. And that's our story. God created us. And yet you were ransomed with the blood of Jesus. You were bought back. God had to buy what's technically already his. But that's the, that's the core of chesed. It's contraconditional. So, so God's grip on his people is both praiseworthy and it is contraconditional. Now let's zoom out and look at the heart behind the hand. We've been looking at the grip of God. But what is God's heart as he holds us tightly? What's God's heart as he holds us tightly? I was very weak as a junior hire. My, one of my jobs is to take the trash out and I would hold the trash bag very tightly. That's because it was heavy. It was very heavy. And two, if it falls, I have a different set of problems. Okay, I would hold it very tightly, so, but it was still just trash. What's God's heart as he holds tightly? One of the most important passages that reveals God's heart is Exodus 34. It says this, the Lord passed before Moses and proclaimed to him, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty or visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious. Merciful and gracious. Friends, when it comes to your sin, God has a short memory. He has a short memory. Okay, he has a short memory. And then he says, um, slow to anger. Not only does he have a short memory, he also has a long fuse. He, has a very, he doesn't have a short fuse. If, the, if, if God was predominantly irritable, the Bible would not be this long. It'd be a pamphlet. No, oh, I'm done. It's over. But he's slow to anger. And the Hebrew connotation behind this is that God is long of nose. He's long of, of nose. So back in, in, in the Hebrew context, um, whenever you're saying somebody was angry, you said they, got, they, they, they had a hot face, okay? And I want to make a joke, but I'm not going to. Um, but they, they had a hot face. Their face got hot. You see this translated sometimes as God's, God's anger was kindled. Okay, but it really, what it really says is their anger was hot or, or his face got hot. And their, or, or, their, their mindset was that the longer your nose, the longer your nose, the longer it would take to express that anger. And this thing that long is, or that God is short, slow to anger. He's long of nose. He has a long fuse. He doesn't have a short fuse, but he's patience with us. Patience with us. That's why the Bible was so long. And then the next phrase is an abounding, abounding in steadfast love. Friends, God has a big heart towards you. I try to think of like a clever, witty way to package that. But all I can say is God has a big heart towards you. The hand that relentlessly holds you is connected to a heart that is forever for you. It's connected to a heart that is forget forever for you. God's holding on to you is not his begrudging task, but it's his pleasure to hold you. His steadfast love is abounding. He is not on his last nerve with you. 
His steadfast love is abounding. And this is evident towards the end of our passage here. Verse 21 to 25 says this. And he gave their land as a heritage for his steadfast love endures forever. A heritage to Israel, his servant, for his steadfast love endures forever. It is he who remembered us in our low estate for his steadfast love endures forever and rescued us from our foes for his steadfast love endures forever. He gives food to all flesh for his steadfast love endures forever. Look at the action verbs in these last four verses. He gave, he remembered, he rescues, he gives. This is a determination to bless. That's the heart of God. And this is a broken record. The Holy Spirit had, had the, 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 the psalmist write this as a broken record for his steadfast love endures forever. Not only is his heart determined to bless, but it's determined to finish. His steadfast love endures forever. Verses 21 and 22 talk about a heritage. And this is using inheritance language to talk about the land of Canaan. This is very important. Israel was to inherit the land of Canaan, but this is foreshadowing for a much greater inheritance that God has determined to give every believer. Friend, you are a co-heir with Christ. You are a co-heir with Christ. So get a glimpse here of God's, uh, God's heart as he, is, as he is holding you. This is Luke chapter 12, verse 32. It says this, Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Just in this passage, you see the God as a father. Little flock denotes God as a, as a shepherd. And the giver of the kingdom denotes God as a king. And his heart is, he finds good pleasure to give the kingdom. That's God's heart. The hand that is relentlessly holding you has a heart that delights in you. That's God's heart as he's holding you. He's gladly holding you. So that is the grip of God. It's worthy of praise. We have what we need in God's steadfast love. It's worthy to be ammunition for our praise lives. And I want you to be thinking about what is my praise life sounded like? It's extremely important to come to God with your petitions. It's extremely important to, to come to God with your requests. But I want you to monitor what is your praise life like? Because God's chesed is praiseworthy and it's also contraconditional. Okay, it, it's contraconditional. We don't deserve it, but we have it because God is good. And then lastly, it's connected. That hand that is firmly gripping us is tied to a heart that delights in us and is forever for us. Friends, that is reason to pray. That's God's steadfast love for us. Let's pray. God, thank you for um, who you are. Um, Lord, your steadfast love is going to outrun our fatigue. Your steadfast love is going to outrun our pain. Your steadfast love is going to outrun our doubt. It's going to outrun every, any hospital visit, any funeral, 
billions and trillions and zillions of years will still be benefiting from your chesed, your steadfast love. But it's because it's connected to your commitment to yourself. May we find excitement and relief in that reality, Lord. Oh, we thank you that you don't change. In a world full of upgrades, we thank you that you don't change and that your mercy is new every morning. We love you. We praise you. It's in your beautiful name I pray. Amen. Amen. Now, um, we'd like to give you space towards the end of our services, some soul space for you to mentally worship. I have some questions here on the screen. And what you can do is you can take a picture of them um, or you can just right now with the Holy Spirit, stare at one of them and just venture with the Holy Spirit and having him reveal things in you and for you. So uh, I'm gonna step back here and give you some space to think and pray and just venture with the, with the Holy Spirit. Though we are sometimes faithless, you are faithful. Help us to rest in that today, Lord. God, thank you for your steadfast love. Thank you for who you are. We take comfort in who you are. The great I am, the one who doesn't change. And whose love has a mercy that will never cease. Thank you, Lord. It's in your beautiful name I pray, amen. Now, as always, church, it is so good to be here with you. Um, if you're new here, welcome. We're so glad that you are here. We, you matter to the Lord, therefore you matter to us. And if you're new here, we'd love for you to just um, text that number, text welcome to that number here on the screen. That just gives us a record of your visit and helps us to know who you are. We'd love to get lunch with you and get to know you and your story. Um, again, after the service, we're going to have some of our pastors down front here excited um, to meet you, talk to you, pray with you, and just process anything that you have heard. So thank you so much for, for being here. Now, if this is your church home and today's the day you worship um, through offering and through giving, um, I, uh, we have some boxes around the sanctuary, and you can do so at those boxes. Now, we want to let you know what's happening at the Life of Our Church, so would you please give your attention to the screen? Here's a look at what's happening at Grand Parkway Baptist Church. If you're new, text WELCOME to 281-626-5707. This way we can know you're here and get you connected with the church. Redeeming Heartache Conference is happening in two weeks. Register at theallendercenter.org slash events. Today is a community group Sunday where we will gather in homes for spiritual dialogue, prayer, and encouragement to find a group head to grandparkway.org. Beginning March 5th, Bible studies for 5th grade through adults will move from 9 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. This will help balance attendance in our services and make room for those who are new. Thanks for helping serve in this way. Speaking of serving, the Ability Survey is now available. Download and open our church app, click Connect, then get involved to find the form. Fill it out, and we'll take it from there. Each of our ministry leaders are always looking for folks ready to use their gifts at their church. 
whether it's kids, production team, teaching, or greeting at the door, there are opportunities for each of us to serve as a part of the body. If you have any questions or want someone to pray for you, find one of our pastors at the front of the stage at the conclusion of our service. We'd like to end our services every week with a, the with a spoken blessing. So would you please stand to your feet and put your hands out? Children of God, be reminded and comforted that you are in the loving grip of a good dad. His steadfast love endures forever. It will outrun your anxiety. It will outrun your boredom. It will outrun your sorrow. It will outrun your tears. His steadfast love endures forever. Depart now, singing loudly and joyfully, knowing that his steadfast love never ceases. I declare these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.